All right. Appreciate you guys. Man, we have a nice crowd today for Memorial Weekend. Wow. Yeah, give it up. I heard some clapping. Give it up for yourselves. That's great. I know Lucas and Melissa are enjoying some time away. They're at a wedding in Missoula, and Becky and Dennis Thompson are up at Hungry Horse at their cabin, and there's other people fishing and doing all kinds of fun stuff, but you guys are the diehards, man. That's cool. That's really cool. All right, as you're getting settled, I have a little quick video that I want you guys to watch, and it kind of illustrates some cool principles, so uh, let's go ahead and hit the lights and run that video real quick. That was a bad day for that guy, wasn't it? That was, and you've probably seen that on Facebook. It's been on Facebook now for a couple months. But obviously that didn't happen in America. But could you imagine, could you imagine if that happened to you? Or or maybe you saw that on the KRTV news one night. I mean, we would, as Americans, want justice, wouldn't we? I mean, that guy was just robbed. And so we would want justice. We'd call for justice if that happened in America because, man, that's just not right. That guy was duped. Now, I don't know if that was true. I don't know if that was a setup or if that was just a video, but let's think about it, if, if, that, was, if that was real, if that really happened. Now, we have a couple images here that I want to just talk about. The first thing we saw there was what? We saw the runner stealing the wallet from the guy, right? So that was the first thing we saw. And then after that, the guy that was you know, wanting a handout or whatever stole his bike, right? And then after that, There was two guys on a bike that stole a phone right out from his hands. And then obviously there was somebody that was videotaping that. So there was was a group of people involved in this setup. But let's think maybe it happened in America and maybe these four or five guys were rounded up and they were put on trial, right? The DA was there, had obviously got video evidence that these guys are guilty, right? And so they go through this trial process and it's lock, stock, and barrel. And the judge comes out and you're expecting, okay, either a guilty or or a not guilty verdict. You don't know what the judge is going to say. But but let's say the judge says something different than guilty or not guilty. What if he asked the defendants to stand, got this video evidence going on, and what if the judge says, you five were in the right. You were in the right. How would that sit with you? You can talk to me. It's okay to shout out a word. Not well. You'd be angry, right? Justice was not served. What's wrong with our system? What's wrong with the justice system these days? Come on. Judge, it's crooked. There's no way you got video evidence there. What are you doing? What are you doing letting these guys off the hook like that? Got paid off. Because we look at this by sympathizing with the person that was duped in the video, right? Because that could have been us. Oh, man, you know, we're just trying to help out somebody and bam, these guys ambush me and, and they get all my stuff except for that cool blanket that he had left on the, on the ground, right? He had a new blanket. That was it. But we would demand justice. But instead of looking at it from the person that got taken, what if you looked at it from the perspective of the criminals that were called what they did was right? 
How would you feel if you were the criminal then at that point in time? What are some feelings you would feel if the judge said that to you? Relieved? Relieved? Yeah. Relieved? Wow, man, we just can't believe we got away with that. And there was video evidence too. What else? Yeah, that's right. We need to go higher and bigger next time. Instead of a motorbike, we need to go for a Lamborghini. Exactly. Oh, he could be confused, right? Wait, is, is this really happening? This is a joke, right? Or maybe just surprised. You could just be surprised. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. Good. Got, 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 got away with that one. But if we think about it, That is exactly what God does for you and for me through Jesus. It's the exact same scenario. The big idea for today, if you're taking notes, Jesus makes me right even though I was in the wrong. Jesus makes me right even though I was in the wrong. That's our big idea today. Now, it's really interesting because I, I say this a lot as I talk and I pray, but I just, I can't comprehend the sacrifice of Jesus. I, I just, I just can't. I, be, I, I believe in it. I know it's true. I embrace it. But wow, Jesus paid the penalty for me. He paid the penalty for my sin. So how can justice be served and yet sinners and sinners be made righteous how can that justice be served and sinners be made righteous that's that's a question that that rolls around in my mind especially before i knew jesus and as i was wrestling with this relationship that i was confronted with i'm like how can that be true how can how can that be right because as americans we have our rights don't we and we always want justice to be served. But this, this seems flip-flop. This seems backwards to me. And maybe it does to you. There's a, a verse or a couple verses in Romans that I'd like to review real quick. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 say this out of the NLT. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles available back at uh, Connection Central. And uh, if, if you're on your device, I'm in the NLT today. And there's also notes available if you want to take notes. Uh, And we also have notes on our app, too, that you can fill in as well. But Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. So if no one is righteous, not anyone, then how can... How can I or you be justified? How can we be justified and and, and how can we put on this breastplate of righteousness that we're talking about today? How can we put on that part of the armor that Paul's talking about in Ephesians? Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every one of us, we all fall short. So 
if, if we all fall short and we've all sinned, does God just overlook that sin in our lives? Do we just get away with it like, like those guys got away with that? How can I not be punished for the things that I've done in my life? These are some deep questions. These are some things that, that we really need some answers to. And the answers to those questions are in the Bible. And I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis and start right there as we start discussing this justice and righteousness in our lives. If you want to go with me to Genesis 3, now the first couple chapters of Genesis, if you're not familiar, it's the first book of the Bible and the first book of the Old Testament, but they're all about creation and all about God forming the fish, reforming the land and, and the fish, and then Adam and Eve came on the scene, and then Adam named all, all the uh, beasts and the wildlife and all that kind of stuff. So then we get into chapter 3, and chapter 3 a lot of time is called the fall of mankind or the temptation of Adam and Eve or something like that. And I want to start off in verse 1, Genesis 3, 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And, and in this context, the serpent is uh, illustrated uh, for Satan or the devil. That's the illustration. That's who the serpent is. So one day, the serpent came and asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, once again, it, we talked about tactics a couple weeks ago, and last week we talked about truth, and here we see the enemy messing with Eve's head a little bit. Did God really say you couldn't eat any of the fruit? Well, in verse 2, she says, Of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, the woman replied, but it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat of it or touch it if you do you will surely die and so then what does the enemy what's his tactic now next we find that in verse four you won't die the serpent replied to the woman and then here's the reasoning that he gives god knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like god knowing both good and evil so here the enemy's setting this up this lying enemy, this tactic that he uses uh, in our lives, in our lives, and that's lies, right? He's setting this up. He's saying, you won't die. And then he, he kind of gives her a reasoning why God might be withholding this uh, fruit from her and Adam. And then the woman in six, the woman was convinced. So there we see the enemy had her, tricked her, convinced her in believing a lie. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They felt shame at their nakedness. This was the first time that they had felt that feeling of shame. I looked up the definition of shame, and it's a, it's a painful feeling is what it's defined as. When we are cognizant that we have done something dishonorable or improper, we feel this 
painful feeling of shame. But we read here, that's the first feeling that they felt. And so I would like to define it as well and go one step further and say that shame is the inevitable result of our disobedience to God. That's the first thing that happens. We feel this shame. Our culture would like us to believe that you feel shame because of the patriarchal religious system, which is the church, big C, right? That's what our culture would like to tell us. That, yeah, those religious fanatics or those people that believe in religion, they just want you to feel shame and feel all this guilt. So they, the church heaps this on you. But according to the Bible, according to this story, shame is the result of being disobedient or disobeying God. So let's, let's take a look then at what Adam and Eve did next. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden, and they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now they, they hid, and what they also did is they sewed fig leaves together as garments to wear. Now I don't know if you know anything about fig leaves or not. I didn't really know how large they are. You know, they're kind of, a, kind of a large leaf and stuff like that. But you'd have to put some together in order to cover yourself adequately enough. And if you think about fig leaves or think about any kind of leaf, what's going to happen once you take it off the tree? And I don't know how they're going to sew it together, but okay, say they do. Eventually, it's going to dry out and eventually it's going to become brittle and break, right? It's not going to be really that, it's not under armor that they were putting on at that point in time. Maybe that's the reason why Under Armour came to be about, because they're like, ah, we can't do the fig leaf thing. We've got to do Under Armour down the road. I don't know. But they were trying to cover themselves up. They were trying to cover their shame and their guilt and their nakedness with whatever they, they could find. And so fig leaves evidently was the best thing that they could find, and they tried to do that, right? It's the same thing that we try to do with our shame. But we don't try to sew fig leaves together in 2016, because that would be quite ridiculous, wouldn't it? No, we do a couple other things. We, we hide from God, much like they hid from God. What I just read, they hid behind the bushes and stuff. We hide by ignoring God. We hide by pretending that God doesn't exist. We, we hide by in, inventing arguments or excuses as maybe why God's demands are so unreasonable and unrealistic in our lives. Basically, what we're doing is we're attacking the truth is what we're doing. And we talked about truth last week once again. We try to, we try to cover our shame. That's what we do. We try to cover our shame. And, and really, all of us try to cover our shame in a couple different ways. The first one I'd like to talk about is we work harder. We just, we just work harder. We just want to do better. So we just cover our shame by just doing better and working harder and, and just being, being just better people. We vow that we'll never do it again. We, we try to become perfectionists. 
and maybe perfectionism creeps into our lives and we just work harder and do better and just, just become perfect. Or we compare ourselves to each other. We like to do that a lot too. Well, I'm not as bad as that person is. Or I'm, I'm better than, in this area of my life than this person is, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But all we're doing is just making up excuses. We're just avoiding the real issue. You know, we asked uh, the question, what was the one thing you did right this week? And, and uh, I was chatting with somebody, and, and they're like, well, I'm just too humble to really talk about that. You know? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, and he was just kidding around. But, I mean, sometimes that's, we, we get, you know, that, that self-righteous and that fake humility, too going on in our lives, right? I remember growing up in the Catholic Church, and, and I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and it was Irish Catholic, Irish German Catholic communities all over the place. And so I went to grammar school in the, Our Lady of the Sacred Heart was, was the school I went to. It was just right at the end of our street, down a, and over a block or two. And so that's, uh, and in my early days of remembering this kind of stuff was, was the Fridays that we had to go to confession. I don't know if any of you guys grew up Catholic but had to go to confession. I can remember being just a little kid standing in line. You know, you had to be quiet and stuff like that. We were going to be just standing in line to go into the gymnasium where all the priests were, you know, behind these confessionals and stuff like that. And I can remember thinking, man, what am I going to ask forgiveness for today, you know? And then I would be, I'd be thinking, I'd be thinking, oh, yeah, I got mad at my brother last week for taking my toy. And I said, you know, I kind of talked back to mom the other day, and I got really angry at her. So I'm sitting there, and I got plenty of time to think. So I finally get in there, and I go through the, the ritual, and I come out, and I do a couple Hail Marys and a couple Our Fathers, and I'm good to go. I mean, that's kind of a funny memory, but I, but I kind of think of... You know, I felt guilty and I felt shameful. And but coming out of there, I felt like there was a weight lifted from me because I just, you know, said these prayers and stuff like that. And and so then I just went about my business. And then inevitably I would once again feel that guilt and that shame again. But luckily there was confession to go to, you know. So I was in this vicious cycle as just a little kid, not really understanding any of this. But I don't know, maybe if that's Maybe where you live right now. Maybe you live there right now. And the only thing that you can really do is just just work harder. Well, the second thing that I'd like to talk about is maybe we just give up. We just decide, just decide that the, the past failures are just, just too much. So we just totally give up. We give in. We live under this cloud of self-pity all the time. And, and self-hatred, and then maybe we turn to drugs and alcohol or sex or shopping or gambling. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, there's a billion things that we could try to cover this pain with. I would just want to define this a little bit. You know what? When we talk about working harder and, and stuff, working harder is nothing more than pride. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. We just try to work harder. That's just pride creeping up in our lives. And, and if we give up, then that just leads to self-loathing. And that's not right either, and that's not good either. 
Either way. So I don't know, which, which one of these avoidances do you fall into? It's a question we need to ask ourselves today. Neither of these strategies will make shame go away. That's the truth today. Neither one of these strategies will make the shame go away. And when it comes to God maybe walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, then we just run and hide. Why? Well, because we're guilty. We feel, we feel that guilt in our lives. But look at what God did for Adam and Eve. This is the really cool part of the story, what God did for Adam and Eve. Genesis 3.21 says this, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God knew those fig leaves weren't going to last forever. He knew that they were very inadequate. It was like, hey, good try, folks. <laughs> but, but that's not going to do it. But I have a solution for you. I have a way that you can cover yourself, and that is by this. And, and God covered Adam and Eve's shame himself is what he did. Their own coverings were inadequate. But you know what's really interesting about what God did? The covering that he chose to use required a sacrifice, required death in order to produce this, these animal coverings for Adam and Eve. Really a death that Adam and Eve both deserved because of their disobedience and listening to the tactics of the enemy. But God covered them with the substitute. And, and what the neat thing is about that, if you never thought about it, it's a great foreshadowing to what was to come in the New Testament when Jesus came on the scene, right? In Romans 3, 25 and 26, we read this, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood. And then we see that in, in verse 22, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for himself is fair and just and makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. God covers his righteousness covers us in his righteousness, just like he covered Adam and Eve in those animal skins all those many, many, many years ago. And that's some good news this morning, is it not? That's really good news for each one of us. Jesus makes me right even though I was wrong. It still blows my mind away that Jesus makes me right even though I was wrong. Now, to go back to our illustration of the video, the only way the judge could pronounce them right if there was a substitute to pay that penalty. I mean, that's in a court of law. I mean, you just don't get off the hook for no reason. There, justice has to be served and there, a price needs to be paid. There needs to be a substitute to pay the penalty. But we don't have that kind of substitute in our ju judicial system these days. But you know what is really cool is that we don't look at our judicial system to pronounce us righteous or to pronounce us just. God's courtroom does that. God's courtroom accepts Jesus as the sacrifice 
I love the word propitiation. I know it's a big word, but whenever I learn that, I'm like, wow, that's just such a great word. It means that Jesus' sacrifice was what was required. That was it for all eternity, for everything, that Jesus' sacrifice was what was required so that all of mankind had their debt paid and could experience eternal life. Jesus was the perfect righteous one. He was the perfect lamb, so to speak, that went to the slaughter. The Bible talks about that. And it's kind of like a trade. Jesus traded himself for me when he died on that cross. It was like a, a, a trade that we didn't even ask for. We couldn't even have thought that one up. But God did. God knew exactly what we needed. And Jesus was the trade for you and for me in our lives. Now let's talk about the armor of God. I mean, that's what we're here to talk about. But I thought it was important for us to set it up by by speaking about that. So if we go to Ephesians, we found ourselves in Ephesians last week. Ephesians 6.14 says this, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. If you don't wear Christ's righteousness, you won't be protected from the schemes of the enemy. And we talked last week that we are positioned in truth. Well, the same thing applies this week. We are positioned in righteousness because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of you accepting that sacrifice, if you have. That's the benefit. We are positioned in righteousness. We talked about that word, having fastened on, if you remember that last week. And that's what that word means. It's positional. It already took place. Once you cross that line, that threshold of becoming a child of God, you are positioned in truth and you are positioned in righteousness. So what is righteousness? That's the question, right? It's when Jesus makes you right. And now, we not, may not feel right, like I said. We might not have the feelings, but we have to know in our knowers that that's the position that we take when we're in Jesus. Jesus makes me right, and Jesus makes you right. And Paul tells us to stand firm in what God has given us. We need to stand firm, understand it, that this is what God has given us. He's given us truth, and truth is Jesus And he's given us this righteousness because Jesus was righteous and paid the penalty for us. I have a video real quick here that shows a Roman soldier putting on some armor. Go ahead and roll that video. And so we talked last week that the belt is the first thing that's put on. But here he's putting on his battle gear, his breastplate, so to speak, and it's protecting him. His midsection is protecting his vital organs. Anybody that has any experience in, in, uh, in any of this combat kind of stuff, you understand that it's protecting his heart, it's protecting his liver, it's protecting his kidneys from these blows that, that, that he might encounter on the battlefield. That's the breastplate that the Roman soldiers would wear. 
So as Christ's righteousness, he gives, up, gives us this breastplate so that we can wear the righteousness of Jesus. You can go ahead and stop that video and turn the lights back on. Thanks. So when the devil tempts you to sin, what you can say is, I don't sin anymore, devil. I am righteous. I'm made righteous because of what Jesus has done. Jesus made me right. I don't sin anymore. My character prevents me from doing wrong things. I love that thought. My character prevents me from doing wrong things. It's, it's a conversation that we need to have in our minds when the enemy comes to attack us and the enemy comes to try to trap us and tempt us in these different things. Maybe for you, it's lying. Maybe you fall into that thing of lying and it's kind of like a self-preservation thing, maybe to make yourself look better. And, and I always think about white lies. You know, people say, well, it's just a white lie. What is that? What is that? So I did a little Google search on white lies, and I looked it up. And then I also found out that actually there is a little bit of science, psychology, that says that there's four colors of lies. And I'm like, what? There's black, red, gray, and white. So they even have all these different colors for lies these days. That's just crazy talk. We don't lie. We don't lie when we come to Jesus because we have his righteousness. So you can just tell the enemy to get away if, you, if you're maybe tempted to lie. Or maybe it's stealing for you. Get away from me, Satan. You have no control over me. I'm a child of God. I am made right because of Jesus' sacrifice. Or maybe it's sexual, sexual immorality. I mean, that's prevalent in our culture today. Sex is everywhere. And it's like free sex is everywhere too. Not anymore. Not when you're a child of God. That was an old behavior. That's not your new creation behavior anymore because you are made righteous through Jesus. And there could be other examples, cheating. There could be uh, gambling, like I said earlier, or just something like that that just kind of takes control of your life. And the enemy tries to tempt you with because he knows it's going to be an idol for you. You have been changed from the inside out. That's the bottom line. We have been changed from the inside out. So these tactics that the enemy tries to use in our lives, we can outsmart the enemy by just knowing what our position is. That's what we're talking about today knowing our position in Jesus and not letting the enemy deceive us like he deceived Eve and Adam in the garden. You are made righteous because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so why is this important to know, for us to know? Because we know that we need to know that we are protected from the attacks of the enemy. Now last week in Bozeman, we're a week behind them because of our uh, conversation we had with the What's Next at Connect. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, go ahead. It was May 15th. It was really great information. Russ was up here. We were able to share kind of a little bit of a vision, and it's kind of where we're headed in the future as a campus. So they're, they're a week ahead of us. So last week, 
they had a little illustration, and I had one of the pastors down there, Jeff, send me some pictures. So the first picture is a a t-shirt of the word pride. So that's, that's like what we're wearing when the enemy is attacking us. We're wearing this thin little t-shirt and all you have on the front of you is, is the word pride. That's it. That's not going to protect you from a whole lot, I don't think. And then we have the other one, self-loathing, is, was on the back of the t-shirt. You can almost read it there. Self-loathing. So that's kind of like what we're wearing when we go to battle, if we don't understand the, the righteousness and the breastplate of righteousness that Jesus gives to us, we're going in battle through pride and self-loathing with just a thin little t-shirt. Well, he sent me another picture. Brian Dugan was the guy that was wearing this shirt on stage, and Russ gave him a couple whacks with, the, with a little shovel handle, right? Not real hard, just a couple whacks. But look, after two services, look at this picture. Ouch. Russ didn't even hit him hard. Russ feels bad now, obviously, but Russ didn't even, he just kind of whacked him a little bit. But he whacked him a couple times in each service, and that's what happened to him. That's what happens to us in our lives when we try to face the enemy without the breastplate of righteousness, when we try to try to use all these other things in our lives this pride and this self-loathing, running away and giving up, and all the things that I've talked about up until now. That's what happens to us. We get damaged. But here's another picture. This is the picture of us when we have the full armor of God on. I know we haven't talked about the full armor yet. We haven't talked about everything, but we've talked about the belt, and we've talked about now the breastplate. But this is what you're protected with right there. That's thick stuff. That can, that can withstand an attack of the enemy when he tries to deceive you, when he tries to use his tactics, whatever it is in your life that is your maybe perceived weakness by the enemy. God's breastplate of real righteousness shields me from the enemy's attacks because Jesus makes me right. Jesus makes me right. So I'm not sure where you are today in your life, but I do know that each one of us can stand firm as we put on God's armor in our lives. And so we've talked about the belt of truth last week. That's our position in Jesus because Jesus is truth. Today, our position is righteous because God has made us righteous Once again, through Jesus' sacrifice, we are made righteous. And we can stand firm in his strength, not by trying our strength, which is like wearing a thin little t-shirt and getting some bruises on our stomach. Let's bow in his presence as we pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that we put on your righteousness when we say yes to Jesus. That Jesus, you were the sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. And you were the perfect sacrifice because you are perfect. And the benefit for us is that we were guilty, but 
but you were the substitute for each one of us. And we are positioned in righteousness today because of that sacrifice that you made on the cross so many years ago. And so as we're bowed in your presence and our eyes are closed, uh, there might be some of us here today that haven't experienced that forgiveness. Haven't experienced that righteousness that we're talking about. But God, today's, today's the day. So if that's you, if you've never accepted Jesus' sacrifice and never confessed your sins and let him clean you up inside, it's not difficult. We need to put away our pride, however. We need to accept the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross at Calvary to take our sins away. And so if that's you today, I'm just going to pray a prayer over each one of us and, and you pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I believe that he came to this earth, died on a cross and, and rose again three days later. And, and through that event, I am now made righteous. My sins are taken away. I ask that you take my sins away right now. God, I believe in Jesus. And I want you to change me from the inside out. I humble myself before you right now. And I ask you to clean me up. Change my heart. I accept Jesus' sacrifice once again and I ask you to guide my future steps. I submit myself to you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you, you now have a new life. You have a new beginning starting today. And if that was you, I'd like you to mark that on your connection card as well. We'll be collecting those here in a few moments. But it's an exciting day for you. As we remember the sacrifices of those veterans that fought in the war so that we could experience freedom today, like I made mention earlier, Jesus sacrificed himself so that we can experience freedom in our lives. Today, in the future, and through eternity. And that's some good news. I just have a couple of next steps for us. We like to do this each week to get us thinking about the message and get us doing something throughout the week. The first thing is stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to be good enough. Number two is don't give up. We place our hope and our our faith in God. I talked about that earlier too. God has a bright future for each one of us. So don't give up. Life can be hard sometimes, I know. I've walked through some valleys. 
But God has sustained me in the middle of that struggle. And God will sustain you as well. So don't give up. There's always hope for the future. Future Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a future and a hope for you and for me. And then number three is try to go deeper. Read all of Romans 3 and, and Galatians 3, 1 through 5. And just, just read all of Galatians. Chapter 5 is awesome too. But go deeper in this relationship with, with Jesus. Study throughout the week or start a daily devotional. I don't know if you know it, but in the link, we're, we're doing a Word of God Speak devotion as, as a, a body of believers. So jump in with us. Even if you haven't started yet, you'll be a little bit behind, but that doesn't matter. Jump in. Start doing some kind of Bible reading every day and go deeper in this relationship. And in those moments of reading the Bible and praying, God will speak to you. It's a really awesome dynamic what God does for us. I've never heard his voice audibly, but I've definitely heard in my heart the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's cool. Well, we're ready for a celebration song. Ryan, you ready? I think we're ready to celebrate. All right, come back and join us again next week. We're going to be talking about some more cool stuff. But uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the, the, the weather today. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get in some shorts here in the next little bit. So, all right. Thanks for being here today, folks.